Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from St. John's Lutheran Church in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. To learn more about St. John's, please visit our website at www.sjtosa.org. This week's sermon for Transfiguration is based on 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Here's this week's sermon on The Gospel Reveals God's Glory from Pastor Chris Kuznitsky. For 51 years, Bob Eden's world was nothing more than a pitch black, pitch dark hallway of sounds and smells. And that is because for a little over five decades, Bob Eden lived life blind. That was until a very skilled surgeon performed a very complicated surgery and brought sight to Bob Eden's. And when Bob opened his eyes for the very first time, it was completely overwhelming. And he described it in this way. He exclaimed, I never would have dreamed that yellow is so yellow. I can see the shape of the moon and, of course, sunrises and sunsets. And at night I look at the stars in the sky. You could never know how wonderful everything is. Unless you or I were physically blind at one point in our life, I don't think we can imagine or appreciate just how overwhelming and how incredible it must be to be able to see for the very first time. And yet, whether you realize it or not, you and I were born blind. Not physically, of course, but spiritually. Because you and I were born into this world dead in sin and hostile enemies to God, you and I were born blind to God and to everything that he has told us and to everything that he has done for us. We were born blind to God's grace. We were born blind to God's will for our lives. We were born blind to the way and the path to eternal life. That is because you and I were born blind to the gospel. The Apostle Paul describes this blindness in the words that we focus on today as this veil that covers our eyes, that keeps all of these things hidden from us. The question becomes, why were we born blind? How was this blindness the reality. How, how did this happen? The Apostle Paul answers that for us as well. He says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And this, of course, should not surprise us. Satan's number one goal since the creation of the world is to hide and blind the gospel, to hide and blind Jesus from people so that they join him in his miserable existence in hell. 
If there were a poster child for that phrase, misery loves company, Satan's face would be right on it. And for those who don't know Jesus, for those who are living in spiritual blindness, this sadly and dangerously is their very real reality. That they may live apart from Christ. They might live with Satan in misery for all eternity. So perhaps ponder this for a moment today. Just consider how valuable your soul must be that Satan tirelessly pursues it. And yet, how valuable your soul must be that your Savior Jesus was willing to die for it. But also ponder this. If a blind person cannot see the sun, it's not because the sun is not shining, it is because that person is blind. In the same way, if someone doesn't believe in Jesus, if someone doesn't know or understand or, or trust in the gospel, it's not because the gospel is somehow untrue or it's ineffective or it's powerless or Jesus isn't the Savior. It's because their eyes and minds have been blinded to the reality and the truth of the gospel. So how has and how does Satan continue to blind and veil the gospel from the eyes of humanity? Keep in mind, Satan is going to be so obvious to say, you know, such obvious things about the Bible. It's wrong, it's, it's false and all that stuff. He's far more deceptive and far more devious in the way he blinds it to our eyes. Satan veils the glory of the gospel through the temporary tinsel of this world, whether it's through prosperity and possessions, pleasure and places, or people and popularity. Satan veils the glory of the gospel through the alluring attraction of our reason and logic, as he has led far too many people to conclude that if I cannot make the Bible make sense, if I can't make sense of this teaching or that teaching, if I can't make sense of Jesus and all of those things of the Bible, so many people have concluded, thanks to Satan, that either there's something wrong with the Bible or it's completely false. And so people will ultimately reject it because they can't make sense of it, and so they turn to something that they can make sense of. Somewhat related to that, Satan veils the glory of the gospel by amplifying the voices of those whose intentions might be good, but they subtly twist the scriptures. Getting people to ask the same question that Satan asked in the garden, did God really say? In all of these ways and more, it is true what was once said, that Satan is the greatest proponent of religion this world has ever seen that he is a God-maker, that he is a faith founder, as he creates all of these religions. And whether you know this or not, most religions have Jesus as a part of it, or they acknowledge Jesus as a real person who really lived. But all these religions that Satan creates have Jesus falling this short of God and Savior. And the people within those religions believe they have it. They're on the right path. They know the way to salvation, but they are this far away they don't have it at all. When Satan influences people in this way, when people are blinded to the gospel, it's veiled from their eyes, 
Satan ultimately has become their god. To understand what this means, perhaps we do well to understand what it means to have a god. And Martin Luther explains that in his large catechism. He says, A god means that from which we are to expect all good and in which we are to take refuge in all distress. So to have a God is nothing other than trusting and believing with him, him with the heart. Now whatever you set your heart on and put your trust in is your God. This is the position that the world has afforded Satan, a position he took hold of in the garden through his temptation to Adam and Eve, as he has influenced the minds and the philosophies and the attitudes of so many people from the beginning of time. As people look to other things and other people for all that they need, for their refuge and distress, all of those things, they look for it in someone or something else other than Jesus. And that someone or something has then become their God. And Satan is the direct cause, the, the, the one who tempts them to do that. And so make no mistake, people are blinded to the gospel, not against their will, but far too many people are blinded to the gospel willingly. Spiritual blindness is something we all must guard ourselves against. Because we were born spiritually blind, we can quickly and easily revert back to it. And that is why it is imperative that you and I immerse ourselves in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of the world. And over the next six weeks, we have opportunity to do that. Beginning with Ash Wednesday and culminating on Easter Sunday, the gospel will be right before our eyes, and the apex of the gospel will be clearly seen. And while the gospel is going to be hidden in the suffering of Jesus Christ, we're going to see that through his suffering, through his life, through his bloodshed, through his death, that Jesus has indeed conquered sin, that he has defeated death, that he has slaughtered Satan, and even went so far as to descend into hell to proclaim his victory to Satan and all of his demons. Do you understand now why Satan wants to veil that from human eyes? He doesn't want people to know his reality. He doesn't want people to know he's been crushed and conquered. And yet it is only this true gospel message as revealed in the scriptures that breaks through that veil that Satan tries to put before our eyes. And it is that gospel that will protect us from Satan's attempt to veil us in the future. Like every one of us, the Apostle Paul knew spiritual blindness well. And what might be the most stunning aspect of Paul's spiritual blindness is that he was living in that blindness while he was seemingly a man of God, while he was a Pharisee. As a Pharisee, the Apostle Paul knew God's laws like the back of his hand. He followed God's laws to a T. He strictly enforced those laws among the people that he served. The Apostle Paul felt that he was doing God's will, that he was glorifying God, but the reality was that he was doing what he wanted, and he was glorifying himself. Because perhaps you remember that he was so spiritually blind that he was breathing out murderous threats against those who followed Jesus as he murdered so many of those who followed him. 
Perhaps you recall that as Paul was continuing to breathe out those murderous threats, as he was on his way to Damascus, a blinding light came before him and struck him to the ground. And as the Apostle Paul is, is laying in the, on the ground in terror, Jesus speaks to him and gives him, gives him instructions on where to go and what to do. And as Paul attempts to get up and open his eyes, he is now physically blind. And yet in that moment, in that now physical blindness, he is now being able to see spiritually as that spiritual blindness is starting to be lifted. As he now realizes that the Jesus he hated so much, the Jesus whom he persecuted, the people who followed him who he killed, that Jesus is in fact who he said he was. That Jesus is who he did what he said he was going to do. That was the Jesus who lived and died for the sins of the world, including his own. And in that day, in that moment, the glory of the gospel, the glory of Jesus was revealed to Paul once and for all. This glory of the gospel, this glory of our Savior Jesus continues to be revealed to each and every one of us to this day. But before we can truly appreciate the gospel, before we can truly appreciate what Jesus has done for us, we have to first be aware of our own spiritual depravity. In other words, God's law has to kill and put down our sinful nature and all of our sinful desires. Because unless and until God's law does that, we will not see any need for a Savior. In fact, we will at best resent Jesus and at worst resent Jesus. Because if I don't understand that I'm sinful and I need saving, why do I need a Savior? And so we remember the glory that our God has shown us and we cherish and cling to that glory. Because when God's law does the work that God's law can only do, it is then that the gospel heals those deep and fatal wounds that the law has left behind so that then we look to Jesus and we appreciate him all the more. Because the gospel shows us and reminds us that Jesus was our scapegoat, that all of our sins, all the spiritual blindness that has caused us to live against God and to follow Satan's deceptions, all of those things and more were placed on Jesus as he was led all alone to die for sins he never once committed. And now through faith in Jesus, when Satan unfortunately continues to trick us and deceive us, when we live in those moments of spiritual blindness and sin against our God, through faith in Jesus, Jesus now runs to God in our defense. And he says, you can't punish them for their sin. You see the holes in my hands, feet, and side? You can't punish them because you've already punished me. Do you know the only thing that God can say to that? You're right. I can't. And God's anger subsides and relents. And now because of Jesus, you and I have an eternal rescue. Because of Jesus, we now have the burden of guilt and shame lifted from our shoulders. Because of Jesus, because of the glory of his life, his death, his resurrection, because of the glory of the gospel, we now live at peace today and every day because we know what our Savior has done for us and that is broken through the veil that Satan tries to place before our eyes. 
As Jesus stood on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, he gave those three disciples a glimpse of his glory. And they needed that glimpse of glory so that their feeble hearts and minds could be reinforced to understand that Jesus was worthy of their honor, devotion, and praise. They needed that glimpse of glory because of what was soon going to happen to Jesus as he was soon going to suffer and die. And so they needed that glimpse of glory to remember that Jesus is who he says he is and that he would do what he said he was going to do and that regardless of what they would see on the outside, Jesus was still God and Jesus was still Savior. As we focus on Jesus' transfiguration some 2,000 years later, Jesus gives us a glimpse of his glory again. And we again need to see that glimpse of glory because as we begin our Lenten journey with Jesus to the cross, his glory is going to be hidden in suffering. It's going to appear as if Jesus is nothing more than a lowly servant. But as we see that glimpse of glory of Jesus, as he's on that Mount of Transfiguration, it reminds us that things aren't always what they seem. It reminds us that Jesus is who he says he is, and that Jesus does what he says he's going to do, that he is God and Savior of all. So today we are reminded of the fact that the gospel does in fact reveal God's glory. It reveals him as Lord and Savior. It reveals him as the one who conquered sin and crushed Satan through his victory on the cross. And that is not just a victory for Jesus. That is your victory. And it's my victory. It's a victory that gives us peace and comfort in this life. Peace and comfort of knowing that I'm forgiven and that I'm saved. It gives me peace and comfort in the face of death, knowing my death is nothing but a gateway to life with him. And so that victory has implications for us now and for all eternity. And so may God help all of us to immerse ourselves in that gospel, to cling to Jesus all the days of our lives, so that we have the peace and joy that he's given us and so that we all can be gathered together once and for all to live in glory with him and all people forever. May God grant this for all of us, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information on the ministries of St. John's, please visit www.sjtosa.org or find us on Facebook by searching for St. John's Lutheran Wauwatosa. We pray that this sermon has been a light for your path, and we'd love to have you join us for worship whenever you're in the greater Milwaukee area. God bless your week.